Yeah. I mean, I selfishly, I've got three boys under eight. The vision of the future that I want to create is one that is more social, is one where people actually are getting out in the world and is not one where you're strapping on a VR headset and like not the ready player one version. Happy Tuesday and welcome to Not Boring Founders. This week, Packy sits down with Alex Harity, the co-founder and CEO of Anima. Anima is an NFT augmented reality platform blending the physical and digital worlds. It's obviously a pretty uncertain time to be working in Web3, with bearish market sentiment and prices falling, but Packy and Alex take the optimistic view and discuss the current state of the NFT market, building in a bear market, the long-term view of the metaverse, the blending of the physical and digital worlds, the intersection of AR and NFTs, and much, much more. This is the type of conversation that helps put on the blinders for the market and really focus on the future. But before we get to that, a quick note from our sponsor of all of season two of Not Boring Founders, FTX US. FTX and its quote, studiously disheveled founder, Sam Bankman-Fried, are everywhere right now. Coming off a big, splashy conference in the Bahamas, trying to bring certainty to the market amidst the terror debacle, and just this weekend being featured in a big New York Times profile. But FTX is much more than a hype company. It's a product company. It started by building derivative trading products for the most sophisticated crypto traders in the world, and now is focused on bringing the best trading products to the masses with the FTX app. The FTX app is the most complete app in crypto. Users can buy and sell crypto and NFTs with no fees. You can use a crypto debit card, track your entire portfolio, and easily buy Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Solana, also with no fees, in a matter of minutes. And soon, you'll be able to buy stocks all within the app. To get started, download the FTX app using the link in the show notes or by searching in the app store. Use code NOTBORING, all one word, when you sign up and get free crypto when you make your first $10 trade. That's code NOTBORING, all one word. Download the app today. And now, back to today's conversation with Packy McCormick and Alex Harity, co-founder and CEO of Anima. Alex, welcome to Not Boring Founders. It's awesome to be here, Packy. So what's going on? Uh, wild time to be building uh, an NFT company. How you feeling? You know, I'm feeling optimistic. So I feel like this is going to be like a good way to start the week and just look at look at Web3 as a whole, ignore the prices and just focus on kind of where we're building and, and why this is good. So it feels like there's never been a more appropriate time for my my normal kind of introductory question here, which is what does the world look like in a decade, not right now, not next week, not if the market crashes, but what does the world look like in a decade if you succeed with Anima? Yeah, so I think I think the easiest way to answer that is probably to to talk about what the world will look like regardless of Anima, and then I can maybe explain, you know, how we're trying to bend that. So this is sort of like it's a wonderful life, right? Like if we don't exist or if we yep. do, and I, you know, I think where we're kind of barreling towards over the next decade is this really shared reality where there's like not a big line between physical and digital. And, you know, we're an augmented reality company. So we're always sort of thinking about how they interact with each other. So, you know, in the future, you're kind of out in the world and you're surrounded by both physical items that are there. And you're also surrounded by digital items. Everything around you is created 
uh, whether it's physical or digital, and they interact with each other. And this is, you know, this is a, a version of the metaverse, but it's not, this is not the Roblox version or the other side version. This is really like a scalable real world metaverse that exists. And then, you know, where things diverge is sort of what exists in that world and why and who created it and who owns it. So the, the version where anima does not exist is kind of expanding what we're seeing in augmented reality already, which is mostly format and contents that's defined by, by platforms like Snapchat or Facebook, these are walled gardens and AR and, and Facebook and Snapchat is really about the attention economy. You know, it's trying to get you to do something or it's getting you to buy something. Um, it's not something you can own. So it's buy yep. this, eat, eat that, go here. Um, they're basically digital ads. And so the version where we don't exist is that's, you know, that's expanded. And this shared reality has a digital version on top of it that's sort of based around getting us to do something now, you know, the, the which more by the way, yeah, I, I still think seems like a pretty cool world, right? Like those, those snap videos, maybe not the Facebook version, but the snap videos in particular strike me as just like way cooler than sitting here doing kind of what we're doing, uh, talking to each other through a 2d screen. I don't know, like that, that version of the world, even in the bad case scenario, I think is fairly cool. So what does the good yeah. case scenario look yeah, like? Yeah, always the optimist. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think, I mean, I, I think you're right. And that, you know, that's why I've, I've worked in, in augmented reality for a long time, but I think we can do way better. And I think, you know, Web3 has really shown that. And so the anima-led version of that world is really one where that content changes from making you go do something to making you feel something or making you own something or be able to create something where that, that digital world around you is ownable, it's remixable, where creators have motivation to actually make it because they can sell it and monetize it and people can collect it. Um, so that, so that motivation itself changes and, you know, it kind of makes it so that that blended reality is something that's defined by creators. It's owned by builders and users to use like a, a term I think you've used to describe web three. Um, and orchestrated with tokens, right? So Amen. what we're trying to do is, is, is basically bring that creation and ownership into ARs where the future is one that is sort of defined by all of us, uh, and owned by all of us. So web three, hard to make happen on its own AR, hard to make happen on its own. You're trying to mash those two things together. We've talked about web three, a bunch on, on the podcast. We haven't talked about AR as much, like what needs to happen between now and a decade from now for us to get to this world where we're walking around and interacting with digital and physical things in the kind of quote unquote real world and, and all of that like what are the the biggest challenges left to overcome yeah i mean from a behavior standpoint i think a lot of you know the way we think about ar is you know when the when the iphone came out and the smartphone uh first had like really good cameras uh people used it but they weren't using it to the extent they did once Instagram and Hipsomatic came out. And I think the, the thing that changed is where expectations started being um, met or exceeded by what you were creating. So, you know, you put a filter on your, your photo and all of a sudden it looked better than you expected. And I think AR has the opposite problem now where most of the time you use it, you're actually disappointed by it. It's like, it's janky. Object collusion isn't great. It's glitchy. It doesn't really interact with the real world the way you would think it does. And, you know, kind of core, uh, you don't own it at all. It's really seen as like something that's a distraction or a filter on a message. So, you know, I think what, what needs to happen for us to uh, really move towards this world where AR is kind of a core part of our daily life is that one, we've got to change the motivations so that more creators are able to make things that are ownable and purchasable instead of, you know, right now, most, most AR creators are stuck in Snapchat or Instagram. They make branded lenses to make money by being sponsored. 
uh, it hasn't really arrived in Web3 yet. So, you know, that motivation can change. And then we just really need to get the kind of experiences that are resonating with people emotionally and are, and are exceeding their expectations. You know, I mean, Pokemon Go was probably the first example of kind of widespread use of AR where people were both surprised and kind of pleasantly addicted to it. But I think we'll start seeing more and more of those as we sort of, you know, expand the types of interactions that exist between, between AR and the real world. So what's Anima doing like right now? If I go and try to use Anima, like how am I creating or owning or buying? Like what can I do right now? And then what does that look like for the next year or so? Yeah. So I guess we should stop talking and like really high-minded concepts for a second. So what Anima is right now, there's three parts of our business where really we're an augmented reality platform for people to make things and, and, and use and, and view AR objects and experiences that are all tokenized. Logistically, that's through an app and what's called an app clip. Um, so you can view it on your phone uh, and view our AR objects. And what we've done is spent a lot of time sort of creating new links between both the blockchain and AR and the real world in AR. And I, I, can, I can talk about what some of those are. And then the second part of Anima is, is a marketplace where you can buy those AR uh, NFTs, like a vertical marketplace for augmented reality. And then the third part is a studio where we work with creators and we build things in-house to really define what AR can be and showcase what our technology looks like. That third part is, you know, pretty important because it allows us to work with people who couldn't make things in AR before. There's just really a limited number of people who have, who've thought about AR from a creative standpoint. And we want to just work with people who haven't and kind of bring them into the ecosystem. So where, where are you spending like most of your time? Is it like, is the kind of progression of things that you build the tech first and then like now a lot of the focus is on the studio because you need to show the world what's possible with this tool? Or like, how are you balancing your time among those three things right now? Yeah, the platform is always the core, you know, really creating the interactions uh, that didn't exist before, before AR in the real world. And maybe I can talk a little bit about like some of those examples. Things like Anima NFTs are able to change based off of where you place them in the world or what the weather is or what time of day it is or how many people are looking at them at the same time. And all Web3 data is, you know, blockchain data is, is, is basically piped into that and there's links between the two. So if you were to place an Anima NFT at a certain location, that can go back and change on-chain data based off of what you're doing and vice versa. So there's those links that are there. And really that's, that's our focus is that. And, and yeah, I spent a few years working with Epic Games and, and the way they approached their company was really Unreal Engine was kind of the core of it. And, you know, they, they built a store and then they built games and one of them happened to turn into Fortnite, which became this sort of phenomenon. But we look at it kind of the same way. We're like the platform is, is core, but we really need to show people what they can do with it. So, you know, to your question, yeah, right now it's it's up to us to find great creators and also build things fully in-house that that show what's possible. And so much of AR right now is is like blue ocean. So much of it has not been explored that, you know, every one of our projects is really sort of hitting a new type of augmented reality interaction that that hasn't been used on any kind of wide scale yet. So we need to we need to run a bunch of tests. Uh, so that's what we're doing now. Gotta ask the hard question, which I ask everybody who's doing something in, in crypto or Web3, which is why does this need crypto? Why does this need Web3? Why do these need to be NFTs? It adds a whole layer of complexity and challenge and all of that. But to you, it's obviously worth it. You've made that choice. Like why Web3 here? Yeah. I mean, I think the reason we founded Anima uh, and we is, is me and my co-founder Neil is like, I was, I mentioned I was working with Epic and I was seeing kind of this change in virtual good ownership that was happening in Fortnite and how like it was as core to Fortnite users, that their love and identification with their virtual goods, their skins in games as like physical goods in a real world sneakers, but they couldn't take them out of it. You know, it was, they're completely stuck in those games the same way Roblox items are stuck in Roblox and 
Animal Crossing items or stuck on Animal Crossing. And, you know, it, I wanted to then create something that allowed the sharing of virtual goods outside of that. And so there's, there's kind of two things we're doing there. One of them is AR is inherently shareable, right? It's, it's a camera based medium. It's shareable on everything from social networks to, you know, zoom. And the second part is that we need a way to decentralize ownership. So those items are then viewable on all kinds of different platforms. So, you know, I think what, what gets tricky about virtual good ownership as it scales is that if you can't take your virtual goods outside of wherever you're viewing them, then how much are they, they really yours. And, you know, that's really how we see this is, is if these assets and objects are not tokenized, if they're not things that you can take and, and, and do things with and change, then, uh, then, then I don't know that they're really yours. Yeah. I hadn't even really thought about as much, even though we've obviously talked a bunch and, and I invested in Anima, but is that idea that in a virtual world, it's important that you should be able to take your goods. And, and that's kind of like the, the most kind of common argument for NFTs is like, wow, well, if you own your skins and you're willing to pay for all of that in Fortnite, like, wouldn't it be great if you could take it to this other game and this other, when you're talking about the real world, like walking around a physical space and having these NFTs, it can't just be the one app that you're in sees the things that are there. And like none of the other things you own are viewable in that space. Like, yeah, the, the world in which you own the thing, you have the shared database layer. So everybody knows that this thing exists here and it's owned by this person feels even more important in the physical digital context. Yeah, because the world isn't some, you know, privately owned 3D world. It's the real world. So yeah. the sort of metaverse for AR is Earth. And and because of that, the idea of like one company owning that fully and being the only one who could access information about how you use those items um, it doesn't really work. And, you know, it gets even more interesting when you think about NFTs being not static. And, and the ones... That, that we create typically aren't where we're changing them. They're dynamic based off of actions that take place in the real world. And then because that's all decentralized, there's other platforms that can then see that data and then change things based off of it. So if you know that you took like a mirror, which is one of our augmented reality NFTs, and you took it to a certain location like New York, and it, it evolved based off of that, which is because this is a location-based uh, NFT, then you can see on chain that this person brought this to New York it changed based off of that. And then because of that, we can do things to that, you know, you give people the things that, but give access based off of that, you know, token gated based off of not just the token itself, but what you did with the token. What do you think are going to be the killer? And it's always hard to predict ahead of time, but like the killer use cases here, will it be gaming? Like just a hundred more Pokemon goes, are there other things that you're really excited about in this decade from now, future where everybody's walking around and, and interacting with things that they own digitally in the physical world? What are they doing? Yeah, I mean, I, I very much believe things will look like a toy and all of that. And, and, and I think, you know, we're, we're biased here. You know, Neil started his career at Nintendo. I most recently was working with Epic. So we, we have things, we're, we're viewing things from the lens of gaming veterans, but we're mostly working with artists. So it's a sort of a blended, both, you know, highly creative, the things that maybe don't have a complete purpose. And then also sort of thinking about how the dynamics of that make things that are fun to use. And I mean, what, what we've seen so far is both through Pokemon Go and, and our own projects, that location-based projects are, we know are, are hit. We know that people are willing to travel great distances, to place things in AR and to collect things in the real world, even if there's no monetary gain based off of that. You know, we have people traveling hundreds of miles all around the world, traveling, like planning trips based off of anima locations. We feel like we're definitely onto something there, but, but, I, but I don't think that's, that's it. I know that's still like a, what we've done so far has been more sort of solo 
experiences. They don't, you know, they don't interact with each other. And I think where things will, will really catch on is when things start to be more of a shared experience than they are. One project we're working on is that you can mint what is almost like a gotcha machine. And, um, then you can have people come to your machine and mint based off of that. And they get different things based off of different machines. So you'd have to go interact with people. It's almost like having a gumball machine at your house that has different gumballs than somebody else's. And so you can kind of see how, uh, you know, this is both interactive and social and using the real world as a delivery mechanism, but it's, but it's all digital. Wait, so, so walk me through how this, how this one works in particular. So I own a gotcha machine at my house. You need to come over. And if you came over here, then you can mint your own AR NFT. Exactly. Or, or you could go there. I mean, it's, you're not actually right. carrying one. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's where an AR comes in. <laughs> True, um, true, true. So, yeah, so, so it, you, you can bring that wherever you want. Um, so you can place that in your camera. It's a shared AR experience. So people can see that, um, based off of being near you and, uh, and then you can then mint from that and, and yours might be different than mine. So you can either buy the NFTs that come out of the machine or you can buy the NFTs that, uh, is the machine. This is the thing that I like about, I think the AR vision more than the just like full immersive metaverse vision is that you can, one of the first things that you're doing here is using this to encourage people to be in physical contact and like actually go see each other in, in meet space. I, I like that aspect of it, that you can design things that like make me want to see my friends more. And, you know, instead of just like going to kind of like a soulless open C 2D interface, like. I need to go to my friend's house uh, and either bring my phone or use theirs. I, I think that's a more beautiful version of this like weird future that we're, that we're heading towards. Yeah. I mean, I selfishly, like I've got three boys under eight, like the vision of the future that I want to create is one that is more social is one where people actually are getting out in the world and is not one where you're strapping on a VR headset and like not the ready player one version. It's, it's one where that, that that's really sort of interactive and. And I mean, it, it, it does feel like pressure though, because we do think about like, what type of behavior are we inspiring based off of these projects? And like, when we were creating mirror, we were determining what these sites were going to be. There's like 40 of them around the world right now. They'll, they'll go up to a few hundred and we're thinking like, okay, where do we want to actually encourage people to go? So the places that you know, most of us have never been, and it, you know, it's exciting now seeing people capture these objects in these locations and traveling great distances to do them, but it does feel like some pressure where we're like, obviously like the cynical or maybe not cynical, but like the business minded version of thinking about that is like, oh, wow, we could really encourage people to go to businesses based off of this. But like, you know, that's not our focus right now. Now it's really around sort of experience and making sure that people are like enjoying what they're doing. So it's more of wonders of the world versus, uh, Arby's. Well, when you open up, you know, more to outside developers, Arby's can make their own experiences that encourage people to come to Arby's, but you don't have to send people to Arby's. And the beautiful part about being the platform is that you can not take a stance and just take a cut of that. The tough part is that you're opening it up to like the world and all of its like creativity and awfulness. What's the black mirror version of this, of like the anima story that you picture in your head? Like, how does this go wrong? Yeah, it's, it's opening it up too fast where it becomes, you know, purely a brand driven version of the future where it talks, you know, when it feels closer to what I described in the beginning, only kind of worse. And I think because of that, we, we need to be careful about how we open this up. And right now we have a hand in every project that's being developed with our technology and that's not scalable forever. We just feel like it's important to start. And, and one of the, one of the big reasons we think it's important is because of that expectation issue with AR, where often the actual final product isn't as good as people think it will be. So we want to make sure everything is, but we also want to make sure that we're encouraging right behavior. You know, up until now we've avoided working with any major brands because 
that can be cynical. I mean, I, I've seen Snapchat data where people really do turn off branded AR. You know, people hmm. aren't idiots. And I think, you know, when you're, when you're swiping through filters in AR and, and all of a sudden you're kind of like, so it, it's so, such a different um, impression than seeing like a banner ad when seeing like an ad on top of you or an yeah. ad in your house. Like that's so much more personal. So with AR, ads are very personal and you know when you're being marketed to and you don't want to feel like you're being tricked. So for us right now, it's important to, to, to hold off on that and really to let, you know, creatives define what this looks like first. Switching gears just a tiny, tiny bit to something that, of course, we have to talk about in this market. Again, we mentioned at the top, but like you're an NFT company. We're in the middle of this crypto bear, growth bear, just kind of like everything falling apart around you, bear prices tumbling, et cetera, et cetera. When we talked a little bit beforehand, you said that it's actually kind of a good time to be to be building. What do you see going on in the market right now? Like, what do you as somebody who's building an NFT company, how do you approach this? How do you get the most out of it? What are you scared of? Walk me through your kind of thought process over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think it's as a market, you know, I think it's healthy for us to move away from speculation and prices being sort of the first thing people talk about, about an NFT. There's, there's two type of NFT companies where you can either be, you know, a brand where you're creating NFTs that are associated with you, like, you know, Artifact has, or you can be one that's sort of enabling others to create NFTs. And, you know, we're the latter. We will make, you know, we have products in progress that are, that are fully Adama branded, but for the most part, we're an, a creator platform. So for us, it's less about how any individual project sells and what the floor price is. And it's more about like what type of behavior are, are we seeing based off of this? How are people reacting to this? Are people, in, in one example, are people actually traveling and like doing this? And when the focus is on the behavior and the reaction versus how it's selling, it, it just sort of reduces distractions and it lets us focus on what really matters. For Web3 in general, I think that's healthy because it's hard to explain to normal people why something would be worth X dollars. But it's a lot easier to explain like, hey, you get to you know, view this thing and it's yours and you get to take it here and it changes or you get to do this thing together. It feels more like uh, they can they can bring that as an analogy to the real world versus like, you know, this cynically, this monkey picture is worth, you know, a million dollars. To me, this is one of the more exciting things about the pullback a little bit. Like it, it just. I've written about the Gartner hype cycle a million different times. It's one of those things that like you see and then you just kind of can't unsee it. But it really feels like we hit this peak of inflated expectations where NFTs were going to be everything and they were going to be worth billions of dollars and they were going to take over the art market and the collectibles market. And, the, and then something changes and we're like kind of just tumbling right now. Go to the trough of, of disillusionment. And then like now to your point, like, what happens is that you can actually focus on building the real experiences that add value to people's lives and understanding how people interact with these things and, and what the behaviors are, like all of those things. And then you come out and, and in a couple of years, in a year and whenever it is, you're left with like none of the hypey BS projects and all of the ones that have like kind of continued to build and focused on like actual practical use cases and fun and all the things that you want to get out of these experiences. So it's just very funny, like living through it in real time and seeing some people panic and other people be like, yeah, this is awesome. Like we knew this was coming and now is our time to actually get rid of the noise and, and build. Yeah. I mean, when we founded Adama, we weren't in an NFT full market. Like we, we were, you know, it sounds like a year and a half old. So that, that sounds like it shouldn't be that long, but like we were not, I mean, I should say NFTs were going up then, but they weren't like hitting the, you know, sales that they, they did the rest of the year. And so 
we were founded with the idea that we wanted to make NFTs more approachable, not that we wanted to make NFTs that were going to make you rich necessarily. Now, you know, obviously like, you know, it's, it's always exciting being able to own something and potentially sell it for more, but it's not really what we're about. And I think it's not what most, you know, web three companies are, are about being able to, to now have a period however long this lasts, where we can instead really focus on the utility or the interaction or the reaction to these projects versus purely the, the dollars and cents. I think, I think that's healthy. Um, I, I know it's healthy and I think the NFT market is incredibly small and it's not small from a dollar standpoint, like they're, they're big dollars, but in terms of users, like comparing this to what I was working on Fortnite, it's like, this is the number of users and people who own NFTs is, is tiny. So if prices are kept lower for a while and that lets people come in uh, and, and participate, then, then that's great. You know, and it's, probably, see, it's probably the right kind of people too. For sure. Do you see this, this market getting as big usage-wise as Fortnite bigger because it's you know, a tech as opposed to a particular game? Like, how do you see the whole market evolving over the next few years? For NFT or for more specifically what we're doing? For... For both, right? Like, I mean, I yeah. think it's it's just like easy to look at it now and say like there's these very small numbers and then it crashed. And so like those numbers are going to go down, but you've built something and worked on something like Fortnite and, and the, the the Epic Store and, and all of that. So you understand scale. Like, do you think we get to that point anytime soon? Yeah, and soon. And I do, even if, we, even if we're staying in kind of a bear market. And I, and I think it's just because we're not limited in terms of the creativity. You know, this is a foundational technology in Web3 that we're building off of. So. I'm bullish on both Web3 and then more specifically with Adam, I'm, I'm incredibly bullish on, on AR and, you know, I'm not, I'm not alone in that. Like Apple frequently talks about how AR is going to be bigger than mobile and VR uh, alone. You know, Tim Cook says that a lot. And I think what we're trying to build is this uh, new version of the metaverse, this, this one that's grounded in reality. And that is bigger than any individual game. And Epic will take Fortnite and expand that and open it up in a way that it's sort of its own uh, something, something that feels almost like a metaverse, but I think, um, I think decentralization is, is going to win long-term. And I think that the ability to have other people create projects on this tech is, is what's going to make it so that it, it just expands way beyond the scale of, of anything that, that would be considered a game. All right. So you mentioned, you mentioned Apple there. They feel like an 800 pound grill in the room. My personal take is that like, you know, while Facebook catches all of the heat, Apple's like, even worse for a lot of decentralization and, and developers and creators than something like a Facebook is. Do you, are you excited for Apple to get in this? It's inevitable, but like, how are you preparing to live in a world in which Apple, which has not been friendly to NFTs or developers enters the space? Yeah. I mean, it's, I have to be careful here. We, we rely on Apple technology a lot in what we're doing. We are proponents of AR and mass adoption of AR. And Apple is one of the biggest voices in that. So, you know, for that reason, I think that's, uh, they're, they're, we need to watch what they're doing and be ready for it. And, and the way we've done that is by, you know, building an AR platform that's natively off of AR kit, their AR technology. We use something called an app clip, so you don't have to download an app at all. Um, it's just a lightweight version of that where everything's in the cloud on, on iPhones. And, and it also gets us ready for, you know, the inevitable smart classes, because that's how, you know, that, that is going to be the first, you know, widely used. AR device is likely going to be whatever Apple puts out there. Tactically, it's, it's important for us to be ready for that. And I, I think, I think they're bound to change a little on, um, their view of NFTs. I mean, Eddie Q's on the board of Autograph, Tom Brady's NFT company. Like there's, 
there's clearly an interest there and they're going to have to adjust some rules in the app store at some point to make it a little easier to buy and sell NFTs. We're going to be sort of always at the forefront of like whatever tech they offer because we want to be used at the most widely available. And also it's just the best viewing device for, for AR. And more, more personally, we've, we've had a lot of folks at Apple reach out to us at various times, both uh, encouraging and, and kind of quizzing about where we're going with this. We see them as, as, as not a, not a negative, um, but certainly like there's some rules to work around there, um, that we need to be mindful of. And I guess that's, that's what I guess comes with the territory of being the world's most valuable company and having gotten there the, the way that they, that they did by kind of keeping everything close to the vest and, and controlling the ecosystem. The, the opportunity, I guess, is like, if they do lean in, everybody talks about how a wallet kind of powered by their secure enclave is like the best possible scenario. And like, there's a bunch of things they can do to actually, I think, incredibly accelerate the adoption of a lot of this stuff. So fingers crossed, Tim, Eddie, if you're listening, come on, help us out here. Yeah. I mean, you started to see, you know, I went to uh, last week, Pool Suite had their party in New York and I, you know, was able to show my Pool Suite card for my Apple wallet, which there's not a direct link there to the blockchain, but it was still kind of a clever mechanism of using what Apple offers to show what could be done if it had better native support of the blockchain. So yeah, for sure. T Tim and Eddie listen to this, right? This will be the last question, yeah. but like the thing that you just get pumped every morning, what are you most excited about right now? Yeah, it's, it's that there are so few people working in this space, which feels to me that it's going to be just just one of the big, biggest tech movements ever in sort of this blended reality that exists. And so, so often of what we're doing and what we're creating feels entirely new. If I look at kind of the projects that are, we're working on and the artists that we're working on and working with and, and, and sort of creating this vision, it all feels brand new. It's, it's nothing like I've created before. And I worked on a lot of consumer tech products. I've had startups before, and there's just been nothing like this where it feels like we're defining the future of how we interact with digital objects and doing it in a way that enables people to create and own things, not just get them to buy things that, that, uh, that aren't in a digital form. Amen. The next big thing, we'll start out looking like a toy. I mean, I, I think that like, this is just one of those, such a clear example. I can't wait till we have this conversation in five, 10 years. And it's like, yeah, obviously you knew it the whole time. And everybody was like, yeah, it looks like, I don't know, kind of fun. And then this is kind of just like a, a normal part of our lives. So I'm super excited to be involved and, and to get to work with you on this. Uh, and thanks so much for coming on, Alex. Thanks, Becky.